Hello everybody, Dan Palmer here, welcoming you back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. And in this episode, we continue my very enjoyable, I must say, conversation with Alec Higgins, where we're exploring bringing the living design process approach or more process life into the space of permaculture design consultancy at a professional level. Uh, you can learn more about Living Design Process at livingdesignprocess.org. We are currently cleaning up and focusing the website, so any reflections would be very welcome. That's livingdesignprocess.org. And I want to say also, I, I've been bumping into a number of people lately who listen to this podcast, and people from a surprising diversity of walks of life and all different kinds of people. And it's been... Uh, blowing me away because I here I am you know I hit record I speak into a microphone I throw these things up I don't pay much attention at all to how many people listen or whatever I mean certain excellent individuals make brilliant comments on the show notes at making permaculturestronger.net not naming any names Laura Jason Adrian etc so I, I know there's some of you out there that actually listen to this stuff and yet to realize that there's there's folk out there that have been listening for a while and they've been coming and saying hi and reaching out and saying, you know, I, I have this strange sense of kind of knowing you because your voice is so familiar. <laughs> and of course, I've, I've never met them before. It's, it's a strange, it's a strange old thing. So I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm so delighted. I'm so grateful that, uh, or glad that you find enough value or I mean, I assume you're finding some value. Why would you be listening otherwise, right? This is your one and precious life we're talking about right here. So I'm, I'm really, really grateful for that. I would love you to keep reaching out, letting let me know what's you know what's resonating, what you're doing with your adventures and experiments in this general direction of bringing our our processes, our daily lived processes of designing and creating our worlds and our our relationships, our businesses, our landscapes, etc., uh, bringing them more alive. All right, and without further ado, enjoy the rest of the conversation, part two with Alec. Thanks so much to Alec for calling it in, and I will catch you in the next episode. Maybe we can keep moving through the, the process a little bit just to yeah. get the kind of picture of like the pattern of engagement. Yeah. Like is that next meeting? Are you starting with holistic context? And that's yes. Two things open the next meeting. One is the clock will start ticking. In a sense, I'll start charging for my time. This is a nice chat between prospective people working together. If we both decide to go ahead after this, and sometimes I'll say, let's both take a few days and then get back in touch and make it clear that you're making a decision and I'm making a decision. I'm not desperate for the work. It needs to be a good fit both ways. But when we meet again, it'll be a different energy and we'll be dropping into process. And the initial focus will be me supporting you to articulate to me what it is you're about, what you what you want. And we'll be formatting that into this context. And if you want, I can you know, show you an example of that or send through a, a workbook or whatever. Oh, and by the way, my preference is to have that first chat off the property because then it removes the property as a distraction because it's really got nothing to do with the property, that conversation. It's focused on other things. Whereas when you're in a property, I'm getting distracted, they're getting distracted, and it's so easy. But there's the option of them saying, "Yeah, so we're going to put a barn here, and we're going to do this here, and this is, you know." Whereas if you're in, if you're offsite, that's just not not a risk. Yeah, or on or on Zoom, is it more likely these days? Yeah. So that that next meeting, we have the small talk, and and sometimes that is on the property. So you know, we might have a little bit of a look around. Although when I can, I also have that offsite. The property itself is still not our focus. We'd be doing this work if it was that property or that property. You know, this work is not this is independent of the property. This is about diving into you, who you are. But within ten or fifteen minutes, we drop in. And my aim is to progress two things. First is the context, 
what's your intention and your core values here. Sometimes bring in the enabling action and what I call the future support base layers, but at the very least, working towards a, a statement of intent and the, the core values you want to honor along the way. That's one thing that emerges from me immersing in the people. In the living process, I describe the, the flow as like breathing in, breathing out and immerse, you know, you immerse in some, something and then you, something emerges from that and then you immerse, mm. re-immerse, emerge, immerse, emerge. And so initially I'm immersing in you as, as beings with hearts and souls and that are unique and, and some clarity is going to emerge from that. And one of the things that's going to emerge is the context stuff. And the other thing that is, is going to emerge is like the wish list type stuff. And, you know, if you, if you try and block that, it's just such a powerful force that wants to come out of people. You know, you can't block it. It's going to come out anyway. So it's, it's almost like I've got a, um, a bat or something and they're throwing these balls at me and I'm, I'm just, I'm banging them one way or the other. Yep. That's a core value ball. You know, bang, intention ball. That's deep, deep, deep. And that's a wish list, you know? Yeah. And so we're going to end up, there's two piles of balls and they're different piles. <laughs> yeah. And one of them is subservient to the other. I found like in my attempts to try and do, these kind of holistic processes of people like that the the wish list can also be a source of Definitely. you know if you can if you can dive into that thing like yes, why totally why yeah. one, that that's, the, a, that's a good point. Point. sometimes yeah. not at all sometimes you just it's just something they saw in a magazine but it's like sometimes uh, you really no, even then if, every time it is a possible doorway into into the other yeah. pile it's a, it's a really good point yeah you know yeah. we're gonna have a whatever a chicken house or an airbnb or what you know whatever it is a teepee tell me more about that what what is what is it that that fires you up about the idea of a TP. Ah, oh, well, such and such. Tell me more about that. And before you know it, you're you're back on the other pile. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's good. It's good. That's that's actually a misleading way of thinking about it. Is that you're you're separating everything they say into one pile or the other. You end up with two piles, but the way you get to those two piles is there's often aspects well, of both in each thing they share. Yeah, and I like sort of the generous generosity of accepting that those are going to come up even though that's not what you're looking for like you're just saying yeah, yeah. you know that you're pointing out that these are going to come up it's not what you want but just let them come anyway like yeah yeah that's great and, and sometimes i even literally have a piece of paper with the line down the middle and say you know we're going to we're going to end up with some stuff on this side of the line which is wish list stuff which are mm -hmm. activities and areas that you're interested in and things and then there's going to be stuff on this line which is the deep underlying values that define the point of the whole process and that everything else is subservient to and guess what that stuff you've told me on the on the right side, there's a chance, let's say, that it's not going to end up, those, that isn't going to be the final list. You know, it might be a bit different from that. And that's okay, because the point is to honor this stuff, which is more about feeling and how you want to be. So starting to get that across. But yeah, like you said, it's like being gentle too, not, not being yeah. too anal or harsh about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and that's, that's been a big thing for me, because at the start, I was I held the process a lot more tightly. It's like, oh, you know, I, I can't, I can't let it out of my grip because it'll just fall back into the old rut. I've got to hold it really tight, and we've got to do this first and that first. And whereas now I'm very relaxed, and I just work with what's there. The process itself is a lot more alive. Yeah, I was falling into the trap of the do good paradigm, and and in a sense, master in my mind, master planning the process, which is this grand contradiction. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, well, what's to happen next? And sometimes it might be like, well, what's to happen now? Is we're going to go for a walk on the land, and that's okay. You know? yeah. And then we're going to come back to that. Or during the walk, you know, we're going to be working on a number of things simultaneously. Um, and sometimes for whatever reason, I don't know, like something's just happened and we, we're going to go and look at this issue they're having with where the water tank was put or something like that. Or, you know, the water tank's going in tomorrow. Um, okay, let's talk about that. And you know what? You're not going to regret putting it another four meters up. On the, mm -hmm. Whatever. That's that's where what we're going to focus on now. And then 
then we'll come back to the other stuff later just just really flowing with the energies yeah i find that even just with myself like the point where i actually started using holistic management or the holistic context like usefully in my life was when i stopped caring about it as a as a kind of rigid process you know like yes. when i used to think of it as this, this thing where i had to go through the testing questions all yes. this stuff yeah. it was sort of useless i would do it once in six months i'd like i'm gonna do holistic management now you know and it was useless. Yeah. Yeah. and then when i kind of just was like it'll be whatever i need it to be when it, when i need it yeah it became yeah. a living thing you know that i used hardly yeah we the holistic decision making community of practice or practice guild i think we call it met yesterday and that was a real point is like you don't want holistic decision making as tools x y and z and unless i do this every day i'm doing it wrong that that's a real trap it's an attitude. Yeah. It's an orientation. Let it take the form it needs to take for you. Yeah. If you're engaging the underlying practices, you know you're you're getting clear on what it is that matters to you most deeply. You're paying attention to that occasionally, and that's one way or another flowing into at least some of the decisions you make. And you're paying attention and course correcting as you get off track. So that's good. That, 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 I mean, that's all yeah. good. That's wonderful. That's happening. It's the, everything else is details. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So in terms so of the we, process. Yeah. You're on the property, the, the clock has started ticking. You've got the clock is kicking. And so we've made a start. And one thing I'm monitoring for, and sometimes I share this, this would be one of my premises actually, is that something like the process is alive and we shift focus when it's time to shift focus. Something like that would be a working premise in the sense that, particularly with the context articulation, you reach a point where you've done enough. And sometimes that's 15 minutes in. You know, sometimes it's pretty, it's deep and meaningful, and it's like that's enough for now. We can we can go for a walk or whatever, and do something else. Sometimes it's half an hour, sometimes it's an hour, but just tracking that and getting rid of the false idea that it's anything like a linear sequence. You know, until until the context is done to this level of clarity, we're not going to move to the next step. They can all overlap and interpenetrate with mm-hmm. the overall pattern of we are going to tend to focus on intention and values first. And then we're going to move towards immersing in the place. And then later on, probably, are we, is, is there going to be more of a focus on, on stuff actually happening? That you know, It's probably going to follow a pattern like that, but there's no rigidity to it. Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes on that, that first paid session, we're starting both processes. And one thing I gauge, too, is how deep people want to go. Some people just, they just take to it and they're like, oh, my God, we need a context for our business and our project and our family and... And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> go for it. And and flesh out the layers of the context. Other people are like, you know, you get a sense that all they're really up for now is, is, a, is, a, is a rough draft of a statement of intent and maybe a couple of core values. Yeah. And, and they're not, they don't really get the significance yet. So it's really just a trust thing. They're just like, okay, yeah, we're going along with you because we trust you. We don't really know exactly what this has got to do with the fences yet. Mm-hmm. And so we'll go, we won't go as far. And they can see that they can start to see how it when yes, you that, go as you go further through the process, like oh, I exactly. get how that yeah. actually affects the space now. Yeah, let's take that snippet of what you've done and dance ahead a bit in the process and give you a felt experience of what it, why we did that, and then we'll come yeah. back to it and you're like ah, oh, okay, you know, now I get it. Now, now we've got energy, so it's really staying with where the energy is and not never never having energy of like forcing people to do something they don't want to do in a way, or you know, I'm going to force you to do this for an hour, even though I can see you're starting to, I was going to say, your eyes are getting bloodshot or whatever it is, you know, that it's, it's not working. Yeah. I mean, all this stuff, like concentration is a big thing. Like when you get into the landscape, yeah. like motion as well, I find that I can, you know, I've got about 45 minutes of really good. Yeah, quality. totally. Yeah. Exactly. And then I'm like, I start to drift, you know, my, my quality just declines. after. Definitely. That. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm monitoring that myself too. And sometimes I'm honest, I'm like, you know what, 
my brain's pretty dead right now. I, I, you're going to get better value if we just call a session when we take a walk, but let's make it a shorter session today. One thing I've felt to share, I, I just got some more clarity from Carol Sanford about this, is that a lot of what we're talking about with this context stuff is about will. Carol has these, one of many frameworks is these three dimensions of existence, will, being, and function. Function comes later, you know, it's what goes where. And the will and the being are what we're focusing on now. So the will is like, where are we heading here? And the being is, you know, how do you want to be? Those are like the quality of life or core value statements. And what I'm wanting to do is, is get a sense for how much will there is. And, and generally, there's, you've got some will to work with. Like it took will to, for the people to reach out to me, right? Sometimes mm. some people have more will than others. So sometimes there's a little bit of work around evoking will or, or trying to draw a bit more will out of this person who seems like a wet rag without a pilot light or whatever, you know? Yeah. Just so there's will in the space, there's some shared will. And then once the will is there, you, you're getting a sense of where to direct it. Because yeah, there's all this will for the process. And as we know, a lot of that will is initially directed to where's the plan? You know, let's go and start digging or whatever. And so what part of you are doing is saying, let's direct some of this will to clarifying the context, to getting to know the place and so on. And then a third aspect is concentrating the will. So how do we focus this, this motivation, this will energy we've got? Now it's pointing in the wrong direction. We really want to focus it. And that's a huge part of the living process for me is my job is to help people focus their will and their attention on this specific thing right now. Like right now, I'm asking you what your core values are or, the, or your intention is or what your wish list is. And right now, as we segue or we'll move our focus into um, getting a sense of the place, at one point, we, we, we're simply walking around and just noticing when it feels like we cross some sort of line of difference in, in our bodies. You know, that's our focus right now. And that, that's often an enormous relief for people because people are often just scattered. They're like, oh, we should be doing this and this and this. And I'm just saying right now, forget about everything else. We're just going to focus on this one thing. We're like, oh, great. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? By focusing on this one thing, doors have opened and we've, we've accessed new levels of clarity. And now we can move to another focus. And well, suddenly something's happening. Something's emerging. Some, there's, there's, there's a process underway here. So, so it's so important to that to monitor what's going on with people's attention. How is it scattered? Is it fragmented? How can I ask questions and hold the space of the conversation to, to bring it to a conducive focus? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's one of the things I've noticed that um, like one of the effects that Alexander stuff has had on me is when I'm looking at the landscape, that tendency to, to focus in on one thing, like it doesn't matter what scale it is. I can focus on that one thing at a time. Like I used to be kind of seeing patterns popping up on the kind of landscape scale as soon as I looked at it, which is totally, totally wrong. You know, they were just inventions in my mind. But if yeah. you can get sink into that thing of like, I'm just looking at this center and I'm trying to understand it and what it's nested in. Mm. And then mm. the way I look at landscapes has totally changed from that process yeah. of focusing the attention. Um, that's something I want to figure out how to kind of guide people through that too. Yeah. Which is how to, how to bring it out. Yeah. 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 And it part, it's part of the purpose of that reading landscape film is that, that's often a new experience for people to, to get out of their image hijacked projecting mind and busy mind. And I'm talking about me too here to get it in a landscape and really feel it, let it speak to us and notice things about it that we haven't noticed before. And, and we'll have this real humble, um, humble attitude where um, the, there's that complementary synergy between the, the more focused inquiring mind that goes and asks questions, what geology is it? Where's the dominant wind come from? Why is that tree leaning over, et cetera? Where you're trying to arrive at some answers or positions or 
or clarity and the more um, so some people call it more masculine and feminine um, but the more receptive energy of really just dropping into your body and just a, a genderless wandering and just soaking mm. up the energies energies of place which which in my experience it makes sense to start there more more peripherally focused more open and receptive and then later on to start to hone in on specific questions and centers and, and so on and that that's i'm doing that in the in the immersion people aspect of the process too i'm getting i'm just i'm just getting an overall feeling of resonance and just kind of receiving the energies of the people and all that and i'm also then diving in so tell me why i don't know why quails or whatever it is You've mentioned yeah. this word 10 times. What What's going on there? That sort of thing. So it's this dance between just kind of letting things move through me and then going and going and finding stuff out. And, I heard and you mention one of the podcasts, I think, inspecting and out. What was it? Inspecting. Oh, inspecting. inspecting. Yeah, well, that's interesting. That, that's a complimentary but different thing. Sometimes I refer yeah. to this as, as getting or receiving and, and thinking mm-hmm. or inquiring. And Tim Murphy, I'm, who I'm hoping to have on the show soon, he, he's got a, it seems like the same distinction. He calls it scanning and honing. Mm. Um, whereas inspecting and aspecting, that's happening too. I'm probably getting, packing a bit much in here. That's, Sorry. <laughs> that's about, um, to me, inspecting is is looking to something towards the aspects it contains. You know, so, so looking from the person of as a whole to the fact they're involved in this project to the fact that part of that project is right now for them is truffles to, you know and so on whatever zo- zooming in and then aspecting is going in the other direction so seeing fo- focusing on something and then, and then looking out to see the system it's nested within mm. so mo- moving from the tree to the branch to the leaf to the gum nut is inspecting and then in the other, mm. other direction is aspecting and then side specting is moving from this tree to that tree to that tree you know this at, at more or less the same level of resolution yeah and, and yeah, it, it, it goes on there's a couple of other kind of spectings but maybe it's we don't want to get too carried away here yeah so there's, there's a lot going on i mean there's all these layers to uncover and so much of this is about your own self-awareness you know and you're discovering different aspects of how you're showing up and what's going on with your function and being and will in the moment and and all that yeah um, well, that's, I mean, let's keep, uh, I don't know, do, do you want to go through the process a bit more? Or I'm happy to, yeah, what's, the, what's the most useful for you? Or, what's working for you? Well, maybe we can just do a sort of broad, quick, well, maybe it's not not a great question to ask, but a, a broad, quick overview of the rest of the process. Just yeah, roughly yeah. What I think we can do that. Yeah, and, then, that. and then we can talk a little bit about the kind of how that works with the charging side. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, I'll try not to suck you into any, too many uh, <laughs> yeah. deeper conversations. As, 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 well, you know, what will happen is probably I'll suck myself into. Yeah. I, I love it. But yeah, if, we, if I attempt to do like a one or two minutes broad scale summary, so this is aspecting, we've immersed in people, there's some clarity emerging there, often we're simultaneously starting to immerse in place. And, and what we want to emerge there is a number of layers of aspects or facets culminating for me in the pre-existing configuration of areas across the site i mean it's really the map, mapping the centers in alexander's language at different levels of resolution which to me is a, is one of the best ways to really let the uniqueness of the place express itself as well as i'm getting a little bit more into the story of place essence of place stuff as well but anyway you've, you've immersed in people there's some clarities emerged there you've immersed in place some clarities emerged there and a lot of this is around uncovering different aspects of the context things that the rest of the process once we get to forming things has to be sourced in and guided by and then ever so gradually the process focus moves from like immersing in people in place at a high level 
to moving toward the, the initial emergence of some usually high-level first moves. So on a large farm, it's often around water and access and driveways and dams and stuff like that. And once we've un uncovered these aspects of context, often something will start to sort of tantalise us or, you know, it's, it, there's something emerging here. It feels like, um, it, it, well, we've already identified that a driveway is in order, some sort of main access into and out of the property. And there's a few forces at play that we've been tuning into that are suggesting it might want to be somewhere around here and so on. And so, so gradually, 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 the process moves from immersing in context to exploring possible forms that are birthed from, that are unfolded from that context. And so then the process of gradual stiffening begins. And one of the ways that I buck the trend of how we usually flow information from mind to map to territory, mm. you know, so that you have some ideas, you put them on a piece of paper and then you impose them on the land, is that we work on the site. Alexander stresses this so much, you know, always work on the site, stay on the site, let the site tell you what secrets and reveal to you what wants to happen next. So, so we might walk a driveway and walk it again and discover some new things and then we'll we might we might drive it in a in a vehicle and, and i started to use a drone quite a bit as a piece of technology that's been so helpful because after that i can put it up in there take a photo and then that photo has you can see whether the vehicle drove through the grass mm -hmm. so you've literally drawn a, a candidate driveway on the grass with a vehicle yeah and then you're moving it from the territory to the map. So it's flowing in the yeah. exact opposite direction. Yeah. And in a way it's into the mind, you know, it's, it's a 180 U-turn. Then we might actually stake it out. And that's the gradual stiffening, just one, one step, one step, one step. And at some point after crash testing it and bringing a lot of rigor and questioning and so on, we have a lot of clarity that this makes sense as, an, as a next step. Mm. And usually there's been other perspectives and the earthwork has been involved. We push the button, so to speak, and, and the thing happens. And yet it's not like... It went from nothing to everything. It was just that it's the la it's the latest iteration in the gradual stiffening process. And now there's an actual driveway there, and what that does is send these morphological ripples, these, these ripples of of impact through the whole site. And so now we reimmerse, and the fact it's a different site now. Now it's, there's a driveway here now. There may be a dam or two. This is this is a different thing, and suddenly this area feels different, and there's a distinction between that area and that area, and so on. And then gradually we hone in on the best next step, firm it up, um, gradual stiffening, mock it up try and break it but once it withstands all that and it's still standing strong then implement that you know make make the next move and so on and so forth and so and so the gradually the being like the form of the the place emerges from the from the process and things are happening you know so so now we've planted some trees and so part of what's happening is you're already starting to look after these planted trees and maintain them and notice the ones that died because it was unexpectedly wet there so we're moving those and so suddenly all these different aspects of the process are flowing along simultaneously because we're still going back to the context. We're still evolving that. Um, we're still uncovering different aspects of the context of the place. And, and yet yesterday's form is today's context. So yesterday, this driveway was a possibility. Today it's there. So yesterday it was form. We could change it. Now it's in the ground. We could change it, but it'd be a big deal. It's kind of high on the scale of permanent. So it just became context. So there's this amazing kind of line it's like a snail, it's a snail trail or a snail moving in front of a snail is form and behind it is context and something beautiful is emerging. And meantime, the process itself, like the, the, the experience of the people you're working with, they're growing and evolving and starting to kind of lean in more or, and, and, and also fall off, like get off track. 
like like an expert will come in and say you should do this and they do it and i'll go back the next day and say so tell me tell me about the process that meant you put these trees here and they'll be like well so and so said to them they'll be like, oh yeah we completely dishonored this whole process looks like we're digging up the trees you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah so when i think about like when I'm, i've been kind of wrestling with what i what how my process might look and in between the sort of the the context discussion and the best next step i had two other sort of phases and i'm wondering whether you make any use of them one is is pattern languages as a way of of like you're doing a holistic context something like a holistic context something that's very deep and meaningful and not a design configuration but that's bringing it into the spatial yes uh zone you're, you're talking about space like what you're not saying we need a trellis over the back door but you're saying you need a nice way to get out into the garden so like as an intermediate phase, yes. so that's one thing is, is the pattern discussion um, as a way of bringing the, like the tensions that exist between the context and between the holistic context and what the land actually has right now. Yeah. And then the other thing is I've been kind of wrestling with this idea from the last part of book two in Nature of Order about the aperiodic grid. And you know, Alexander suddenly starts using the word brutal all the time. Yeah, yeah. Saying that we're gonna impose this brutal order. And I, I actually think there's something in that, even on landscapes, which are much going to have much softer kinds of lines than a building would, things like key line are sort of a day periodic grid. And I'm wondering whether you do have a step of looking at the kind of middle range order as you know, geometrically before you're diving into what the next one transformation is that you, that you do. Is that one, are you choosing that, that best next step so well that, that, that it includes some aspect of that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great questions. So on the on the pattern language front, there's two ways that I I'm inclined towards honouring that, and it's 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 been relatively rare that I'll formally articulate a, a pattern language in in Alexander's way, which is powerful and has its role. The first way is when you're working with the wish list. There's a real sense in which you are um, developing a, uh, a a pattern language, or what he in later work called a um, a kind of a configuration of generic centres. Mm-hmm. And he talked about the relationship between those things. And so, so there's certain aspects of what he means by pattern language in there. And yet for me, the most exciting aspect and the way I've tended to approach it is to, well, my story is that I'm honoring the, the underlying concept of a, of a pattern language in this process where the job of the pattern language is to end up with this the sensible sequence of patterns that, that guides the sequence of focus and implementation and so on. And the job of each individual pattern is to resolve or bring into harmony a set of forces that are otherwise in conflict. And so that, that process of arriving at the best next step for me is, is tuning into what are the highest level tensions now? So part of what you're immersing in a mapping. And we're, like, we're not mentioning a lot of what living design process is for me, obviously. You know, there's a book in process that'll have a lot more. Um, part of what you're doing is you're you're immersing into and feeling into and noticing the high level tensions at play and so often initially they're like a lack of water or a lack of good access or exposure to wind and neighbors eyeballs or whatever it is whatever it is that generates the most experienced tension on the side and and this includes things that take in the larger well they should include forces at play in the larger system too like pandemics and food security and climate change and peak oil you know that's that's all really relevant as well it's not just we're, we're also mapping outside the the boundaries and and then what we're doing is we're actually generating a pattern language in real time so if we arrive on that driveway that driveway is a pattern and contained within is, is smaller patterns but it's a tension resolving geometrical 
um, transformation. <laughs> that's language is a bit wank, isn't it? But th that's what it is. That's ac yeah. it's accurate. And then as you do that, you're simultaneously resolving all these high level tensions. And in the process, you're uncovering the next layer of tensions. And sometimes they weren't so obvious until you, because you're just like, for example, it's just so in a lot of properties in central Victoria where I've worked a lot, if you're from there in summer, it's just blisteringly intense. Like your eyes are sore from the glare of the sun and the, the dry wind is sucking you dry and there's no water anywhere. You know, you're just, you're almost struggling to survive to walk around these properties. The ground is rock hard. And so until you've dealt with some of that, you can't actually walk around the side in a comfortable way. Yeah. And so now there's a driveway and there's some water. We might've planted a few trees at some point. And, and even though they're not big enough to provide shade yet, they somehow they reduce the intensity of that tension because you can feel that oh, in the future they will yeah. and then and then you notice that the next layer of tensions and you and you arrive at the best next step so the way i do it is looking back on the process it's like the process itself generated the pattern language it wasn't something that we had to generate up front yeah and to me that's actually more true to the underlying sentiment of what a pattern language is than yeah um than trying to come up with it in front although like i said there's an aspect of it in the in the wish listing because i'm with the wish list i'm doing a lot of processing and massaging and sequencing and um, condensing and distilling and all these other things um, and, and a lot of that is about moving from 50 or 200 things which puts you in a element assembly mindset back to these high level nested holes so yeah. at the highest level one of the tensions we want to resolve is is having a clear high level differentiation between the aspects of the property that are in pasture and the forest let's say mm -hmm. and it turns out that, that driveway is going to do that as well as harvesting water as well as giving access as well as making a really sensible place to plant trees that's going to address these other tensions so it's really exciting because you can hone in on these next best next steps these transformations that simultaneously resolve huge amounts of tensions and it's it's incredible and that's the game and then you move on move on move yeah. on and and the process is a tension resolving and dissolving process which is cool because by definition, as you move along, you feel less tense. <laughs> yeah. And for, for Alexander, that's a big part of what a beautiful building is about. It, it yeah. lacks tensions because the process yeah. was systemically eradicating them by its very nature. Yeah. Um, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the part of the pattern language that I, uh, I guess I have some attachment to is, is that, that, idea that it's a, a sort of complete picture of how you're going to be in that place. You know, there's like, he has that poem, that word poem about the city of Udrakhand or whatever, you know, yes, that, yeah, where, yeah. and it's, I like that, that feeling that you can get someone to really engage at that middle level between yeah. uh, holistic context and before design. Yeah. But I also yeah. think that yeah. what you're saying is right, that, that really having it emerge from doing it is, it's a very real experience of, of uh, resolving the forces. One thing that I, I've noticed, because Alexander doesn't have anything like a holistic context, it's the pattern language, like that, that yeah. contains it all. And so I, I feel like I've teased out the ways of being stuff into the, the context statement and the core intent. Mm. And it, so it takes a bit of the workload off the, the pattern language in a way. And yeah. yet it's, it's so useful to ha have that as well. And I have certain ways of kind of, mm, I'm say integrating, but bringing that into play with the centers that are already there in the landscape yeah different just ways of kind of diagramming that and, and whatever yeah what the second one was about the, uh, the aperiodic grid oh yeah 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 well I'd, I'd actually mentally it's probably my own bias i'd, I'd, I'd mentally deleted his talk about brutality the, the brutal and the yeah you know, uh -huh. you know that because because it gets very tricky right because he's talking 
you can easily read that and get a sense of imposition or whatever, which is not what he's was talking about. I almost need to go back and read it. And yet we brought the tip of that question to, well, I'm a yes to. So it's those initial high level tension re- resolving and dissolving transformations, it's just the things you do, the steps you take on the actual process in, in, the, in the project. Early on, they tend to be property wide in scale. Right. So, that, so they do tend to be about shaping the high level geometry of the place. And quite often what's happening early on too is that we are, we are going one or two or three, you know, there's this one step that's quite um, specific and concrete. We're going to be taking that next, but we are moving ahead in our minds to, well, this probably implies that we'd plant trees along that driveway. And that in turn would imply there'd be fences there, which would in turn imply there'd be animals there, whatever, you know, so we're just sort of dancing ahead a little bit and, and, and just getting a sense of how the property is, how whole is going to f- differentiate itself into different high level areas. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, it can be a, like a design step, not, not to overuse that word, but like a design step in the traditional sense of it's, you, you can do it mentally without it happening on the ground. You might be doing your one thing on the ground, yeah, but yeah. in your mind, you have a, a vision of the rhythm between meadow and forest or whatever it is. Yeah, you, and you don't want to resist those the spaces in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's totally, it's fine and appropriate for your mind to dance back and forward. And sometimes in the mocking up too, like for example, Alexander and he inspired me to, with, with clients that, are, that go for it, I encourage them to build a, a three-dimensional scale model of the property. And that's part of the mocking up process. And so on the on the actual three dimensional model, you can you can you can go steps further. It's not like there's any taboo or, or protocol against like don't even consider what might happen next. Just focus, you know, purely on this best next step. You want to mm-hmm. dance ahead, particularly to identify what what Hom, David Holmgren calls design cul-de-sacs or dead ends. You, know, mm-hmm. you want to be designing to keep your options open, and that that's part of the power of the the pattern language idea of, of articulating it up front as well is that you're dancing from high resolution to low resolution, just making sure you're not backing yourself into a corner, which is really important. I think one of the reasons I'm so drawn to that section too is because here, like I grew up in England and here in the States, the landscapes are totally unstructured. It's very, very open yep. and nothing yep. is enclosed. And I like the idea of being able to bring in like positive space and levels of scale yeah. on, on the, the larger scale just to help start enclosing things. Even if you don't know totally. what's enclosing, it's either going to be a wall or trees or a hedge, whatever. Yeah. You don't know what yeah. it is yet, but we've thought of it as here's totally. the open space and here's the close Yeah, space. yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, and I love that too. I, lo- I love that mental f- um, foreground, background flip too. Often for me, it comes in quite strongly when we get to trees. And so rather than thinking of individual trees, we think about treed areas. So we want yeah. a windbreak or a privacy screen or a woodlot or some edibles. Uh, and we're going to think about those not in terms of the trees inside of that area or even the shape of the area as a whole but the shape that gives to the non-treed areas in between yeah. you know how we create positive space which is just yeah. it's just delicious and 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 I, I, from my experience alexander is right on when he talks about the significance in positive space so this is the the beauty the beauty and goodness of the of the shape of the spaces in between the stuff in, in a simple way how how significantly that influences how a place feels and flows that's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Like, like it's in a way, it's almost like I think of the the spaces between the things we refer to as stuff, which when you look closely, it's just the same pattern fractally, right? A tree is leaves and spaces in between leaves and et cetera. Um, but it's almost like the spaces in between of the organs of the organism mm. and the, the trees and the buildings and the fences, that's the connective tissue. 
So yeah. you, want, you want to create a, a, a harmonious configuration of beautiful organs that really strengthen strengthen each other. And I mean, I'm excited to talk about this stuff with anyone, including you, because it's just not it's, it wasn't there. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. And there's a sense of art. You're creating something alive and beautiful, and so more than merely functional. At the same yeah. time, it's incredibly functional. You know, it's as functional as functional can be. There's no there's no functional yeah. demerit points. And yet you're working in a place that's deeper from the split than the split between function and beauty and, and yeah. realizing, oh my God, amazing beauty and amazing function are, are springing from a deeper source, which is a process that's alive. Yeah. And well, I'm very glad it. I've got someone who's sort of, who I can talk to who's already, you know, working in this way. Yeah. And, and you get it, like for some people, I'm sure this sounds like they affirming what they already do just using fancy language. I get quite a lot of that. Or B, yeah. just kind of like, jargon rich unintelligible waffle i don't know yeah um whereas for me this is something i experienced you know it's I, I, yeah. it's real i know it's real i've experienced in it and, and and we're talking about i'm talking about something very different from what i used to do and a lot of us do in our culture and yeah. man it's so exciting and nourishing and possible you know yeah it's great to, to have you say that just because part i guess one of the underlying reasons of calling you is that like i feel I feel those things about my own myself when I look at like I'm trying to describe this to make a little website for my consultant. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. it sounds like either like jargon or waffle, or <laughs> or it comes out as I realized that I wrote out a process yeah. that was just reiterating the old same old you know exactly um, yeah yeah analysis totally. design review you know like the same old yeah. circular yeah diagram. I mean hence, the same thing, you know? hence book four in the nature of water series was Alexander saying it doesn't matter how I've done a life's work on this. Um, and yet, unless I go to the cosmological level, like the underlying worldview level, everything I said will just be copted back and straight back into the same old mechanistic linear sequence stuff that, that I am, have been wholeheartedly attempting to provide an alternative to. I'm so glad that there is the opportunity to, to roll the stuff out practically on the ground. And, and that's where people get it, like not, not just the people I'm working with. And it's, it's, it's so exciting to see them come alive in the process, but also people that visit afterwards, because you can talk all day and just whatever they interpret it through their filters, but then you take them for a walk and quite often people are like, oh my God, I, something's shifted. I, I, I can feel what you're talking about. This, this place feels like a, a harmonious whole organism. Everything belongs and there's, it just feels so effortless and tensionless. And I, I, tell me more, you know, but until you felt that, it's, there's that kind of leap of faith kind of thing. And, and I would, I might be wrong, but I would estimate there's a lot of people out there because on the one hand, you know, I'm around and, they know I've done a lot of design and stuff. I would like to think there's some people that want to believe that what I'm talking about makes sense and is, is achievable. But I imagine that for some of them, they're like, like, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the jury is out sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I can't, unfortunately, I can't grab them all and say, come take a walk around a few places and tell me what you feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. Um, are, you, are you running out of time or? Um... No, I'm, I'm happy to make a little more time. I'm enjoying the flow, and I don't. I don't want to feel like this is artificially um, truncated. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the so the 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 question uh, we were going to come back to was the how the like charging for this fits into yeah. that yeah. process. I mean, I'm loving going into the design process. It's the that's the fun part. Yeah. This yeah, is kind right. of less enjoyable part of the conversation, but it's yeah. kind of. I mean, it's not a high priority for me right now, but I do want yeah. to have a, a, a thought about. How well, it's pretty. Work. It's pretty simple. I think we can cover it pretty soon so where i've arrived is because it's the process is alive it's unpredictable and it'll be it'll be a great tragedy if it was if that wasn't the case it's alive and emergent so the process itself and and that like 
we're introducing transformations into the process itself. And that's shifting and alive and it's pulling certain energies in and spitting other energies out. And that's that fascinates me. And what that means is I can't prescribe how long it's going to take. It's not possible. And, yeah. and so what I do is charge an hourly rate that, that works for me. I generally have, have an online spreadsheet that myself and the clients can view. And after each session, I just, you know, on this date, I, I showed up for this time. This is what we achieved. This is who was there. This is how many hours. This is the agreed hourly rate. Here's, here's the amount. And then I in, invoice periodically when that gets to a certain, you know, decent amount of money or whatever every month or two. Um, and we just, we just stay in touch about that and acknowledge that as one force at play, this budget and how people are feeling about the value they're getting. And, and I'm really clear from, from early on that I'm committed to providing a lot more value than you're paying me. You know, So for each hour you pay me X, my, my commitment is to do everything I can to flow more than that much value. So there's no question that you're, you know, thinking, oh, you know, maybe we, you know, is this the best investment that's just not in the conversation? And so I want people, I encourage people to be honest about that and to stay in touch about that and get across there's no lock in contract, whatever, you mm -hmm. know, like we'll work together as long as it's working for both of us and this is what I charge and I'll invoice, you know, and so it falls into the background pretty, pretty quick. And we can also have a conversation of something like, um, if they have a sense of like, we'd like to spend around this much, I can sort of say, well, roughly speaking, that would allow me to hold your hand and, and, and show up this many times, you know, over the course of the next year or two. Um, and, and we can probably get to somewhere like this spot, you know, you, you can probably have this, this will have happened in the landscape and so on. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's an estimate. And all I can tell you for sure is that if I come out here and work an hour, you pay me an hour for an hour's work, you know? Yeah. And that's, um, that's, that's how it goes. One, one thing that happened was we were on a, we were on a site, Maybury Wood End. Hello, Tom Meadow, LJ and Anna, if you happen to be listening, any of you happen to be listening. Beautiful people. And this was an early experiment and really me leaping into living design process. But we took a group there on an advanced design course that David Holmgren and myself were running. And David asked the question in front of him and he said, so how, how much, it came out how much I'd charge them. And the figure I'd charge them was, was very comparable to what I would have charged them or someone else would charge them doing things in the old way. You know, you pay me this much and I sell your plan. Shop a few times, here's your plan. Um, and David said, so what's, what's the trick here? Like, what am I missing? <laughs> How, how's this possible? And then it dawned on him and the others that the trick was that the whole process was organized around supporting the clients to do as much work as possible, yeah. you know? So my yeah. job as an educator, sometimes... People use words like coach or mentor. I like to think of an educational resource, a developmental resource. And that would be a premise, actually. This would be a really good premise to consider. In fact, I'll write it down, um, which is I don't do anything that they could do. Something yeah. Like you know, I wanted so, to ask about that, actually. Yeah, like, my, you know, the, the idea of assigning homework, like this yeah, phase yeah. in your call. Like, yeah, my job is to empower them to be on their growth edge. And, and I'm not going to ask them to do things they don't have the capacity to do. But as soon as they have that capacity, I'm going to, and I might hold their hand and we'll do it together, but then I'm going to let go. Like, so often I'll start people off on, on mapping the landscape in a certain way or whatever, a certain activity, and then say, go for it. Give me a call when you're done and we'll, we'll book in and, and you'll show me what you got to. So that's another 180 flip on the conventional thing, which is like, okay, we used to do this. Okay, we've had a nice talk to you as our clients. Now we, we'd, we'd really we'd prefer it if you stayed here <laughs> and we're going to go out into your backyard because we don't want you yabbering in our ear, filling us up with your biases and projections. So we're going to go and look at your landscape and map it. And then we're going to show you the map of your landscape that we did. And so this is opposite. So I'm going to, I'm going to 
support you to make your own map and, and make your own interpretation. And then you're going to share it with me and I'm going to help crash test it and, and maybe pick up, you know, whatever places where you missed something or, 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 or whatever. And you might have to do a few rounds, but you're doing the work. And yeah. so that's, that's a big part of the key. And so it, it, it ends up surprisingly comparable to, to, because yeah. you, you might be paying me two and a half grand over two, a year or two or whatever it is. Um, as opposed to paying me two and a half grand to to go from woe to go from go to woe in two weeks and give you a plan, you know. Right. And you're of course building. you're getting so much more value. Like yeah. So much more value. And by the time you're paying for it, you already know what it is. You're you you've got the trust that it's it's something valuable. Yes. Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, know, you can pay a little bit, but you're you've you know, before you've spent that whole sum, you know, you've already got some value back. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the idea is that after every session, they're like, well, you know, we've we've this is amazing, you know, that, that, that yeah, you, you're not having to wait to the end to, you're not taking a financial risk. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to say that sometimes people have suggested the idea of a, a retainer and mm. it's something I might explore at some point, you know, some, cause I'm kind of on call and also a lump sum, which is risky and to be safe, you're going to have to quote for the, I don't know, the worst case scenario or something. So yeah. it's, you're going to end up paying more. So I, I, I haven't personally gone there. I feel really good. And I also, people also offer me, to pay me up front and personally that just doesn't it doesn't resonate with me it's like no i'm happy to earn the money first you know it, it's interesting though because when i think about it like hourly was the one that, way of doing it that i most wanted to avoid because right. okay. i just feel the pressure whenever i do anything on, on the clock even matt you know right. yeah. work i just feel the pressure yeah 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 no, I, hear you. And I don't want that that vibe you know with clients i i'm sure you've got you know ways of dealing with that but i feel yeah. I, I had been imagining maybe estimating a phase and giving a flat rate for that phase. So like, okay, we're going to do this, you know, this visit to your site, which is going to be the, you know, the host of context and maybe a landscape walk. And I think yes. it's going to take us long. So I'll charge you that much, yeah. but if it takes longer, you know, it takes longer, yeah. but uh, it's interesting that you've landed on that. Yeah, I remember Michael Wardle, he, you might want to talk to, he's, he's a colleague, he's been on the show and he, he designs in, in, in Queensland and then he does have a, a lump sum type thing. People sign up for three years and it's X per year. And, mm. and that seems to be working really well for him. Um, and in, as interesting as you're talking, I realized because in Veg, we started on an hourly rate and we hated that pressure. People yeah. like watching you, they can't, you can't hang out and just have a nice conversation because you're supposed to be working and it's costing the money. And so we moved to like package deals, like, you know, you pay us this much money and we'll give you A, B, and C. And that was, that really did feel good. Um, and yet here I am. I've arrived back at the hourly rate, and and I also I feel fine about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I have I have some um, say in the matter. So, you know, like sometimes at the end of a lovely session, they'll be having a barbecue dinner, and I'll stay. You know, so I I, I don't charge. I don't necessarily charge them for yeah. that. Although who knows? Maybe if we were still talking about the project for you know, I'll, I'll decide where the line is. But I personally don't experience any of that anymore. That I don't yeah. experience any like oh they're they're stressed about time. I should be doing more faster. It's because because part of the value is in, is in the pacing and. I think some of that is is confidence that comes with like professional seniority, for lack of a better term. That you you know because you you're confident in your abilities and they are too. That it's not such a big issue. I feel like starting out, I may have to experiment a bit more with. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah and, and different yeah. things will work for different people, right? Like you you yeah. don't want to copy and paste my form onto your context. You might you know there might be something that works a whole lot better. Mm. Yeah, I and then, like I say, there's people like Michael that are you know finding more of a lump sum not attached to a specific hours model that working really well for. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. 
Well, I've got a huge amount of value out of this conversation. It's been really, really great to chat with you. Yeah, likewise. I've, I've experienced value myself. I'm noticing a real surge in excitement as I stick towards sharing more of this stuff. I, I mean, this is an example of it, but, you know, really, I've spent a lot of time kind of, you could say, quibbling with aspects of permaculture and, you know, kind of beating around the yeah. bushes. And it's time yeah. to sort of move, come out into the open and say, this is, this is what I'm into, this is where I'm heading, and this is what I've kind of found out so far and who wants to join the party or, you know, join the expedition. Actually, maybe that'll be one one interesting last question. Like, how do you uh, do you? Is permaculture still sort of part of your design vocabulary or or your process uh, influence for you at all? Still, yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm a fringe dweller, mm-hmm. and it goes because it, it's a kind of a weird situation, right? Because on the one hand, when making permaculture stronger started like quite a while ago, I was. I was wondering if that would, it was going to be a parting gift, you know, a few parting shots. I'm just going to share a few candid yeah. thoughts and then I'm out of here. <laughs> um, but there's yeah. such a warm and receptive, welcoming attitude that I felt the possibility that permaculture was capable of evolving and, and doing some work on its design process understandings. And I feel like that is, you know, there's been some progress there. Oh, I see. I just, so I just reminded I've got a, um, a veg meeting to jump into. What was I saying? That there's been some receptivity to this in the permaculture. Oh community. yeah, so I've stuck I've stuck around and nourished that flame, and, and and I do feel like some things are shifting there, and and yet I'm sort of on the edge because I know what I'm into, and it's, in a way it's kind of like if permaculture's into it as well, or into these kinds of questions and explorations, then then I lean in that way, um, and yet I'm also interested in this concept of living process and processes that are alive, which is not in, in any way inherently or necessarily associated with permaculture at all. Although I feel like permaculture is an incredibly relevant place mm-hmm. to hold that kind of conversation uh, and yet it's clear that a lot of in my in my opinion a, a lot of the energy in permaculture is, is not so interested it's more interested in doubling down on the linear mechanical engineering type approaches which is fine you know it's it's, it's the context form conversation once again mm-hmm. right yeah so what's form in terms of design process understandings and permaculture and what's context yeah yeah, um, but yeah, um, I've yeah just been reminded I'm supposed to be in another meeting right now. So thanks for just giving me such a good time. I forgot, <laughs> and we yeah. ought to, we ought to wrap this up. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I mean, it's been it's been great. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with me. Such a pleasure, and I'm yeah I'm really interested to continue the conversation and, and to hear what what your next steps end up being from here. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Alec. All right. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. All right.